delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangsta Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangsta Rap. Let's go. Gangsta Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangsta Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors Morgan Wood and Bree Wood to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Morgan and Bree, welcome back. How you doing? Hey, thank you. Doing well. I love it. Yes, love it. doing well. Thanks for having us again. Awesome. Of course. Anytime. Let's get to the news. All right. So uh, big news this week. Um the uh, shooting at Michigan State University, very sad. And the motive behind the uh, MSU mass shooting remains unclear as the names of the victims are released. Uh, that was really sad to see their pictures too. Um, you cover the Detroit market for the BIN. So what's the latest on this story, Bree? And then Morgan, we'll uh, hear from you as well. I do. Um, it's just a real tragedy all around. And Michigan, I can tell you, is devastated by all of this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's more than 50,000 students uh, on the campus of Michigan State University. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very large campus with several students from the city of Detroit, uh, which is my hometown and Metro Detroit. Um, so how it begins is the shots were reportedly first heard in Berkey Hall on campus where students were in class at the time. It was about 18, 818 p.m. that the shots were fired and then he proceeded to shoot at the MSU student union. Um, at that point, students start sending out alerts to shelter in place, which is then when here locally news broke in um, saying that there were reports of a shooter and that uh, we were being communicated with the entire time via Twitter. People were listening to police scanners, everything which is happening in real time on Monday night. So it was extremely uh crazy to witness live or be a part of live because I'm tweeting along with everybody else trying to figure out what's accurate, what's true and the updates. And the, you know, people are wondering if their family members, their loved ones are involved. Um, so people were uh, sheltering in place for hours after that alert went out. And then also the alert uh, included the term run, hide, fight. And so several people have mixed feelings on that, but I mean, in my opinion, what else can you do at that point? If you have a situation where you have an active shooter, they said, this is what we have trained for. And that's what we're telling people to do uh, to be the most safe. They say run means evacuate away from danger if you can. 
and do so safely. Hide means to secure in place and fight means to protect yourself is if there is no other option. Um, so what we do know is that five students right now remain in Sparrow Hospital in Lansing. They are still in critical condition as of now. Um, one I just read was updated to stable condition, but they are also hospitalized. The school, even though some friends and family have revealed who they may be, um, the school is not confirming who those five people, uh, students who are confirmed to be students are just yet, just out of respect for their families. But we do know the identities of the three deceased victims um, who were unfortunately taken from us. Um, 19-year-old Ariel Anderson, 20-year-old Brian Frazier, and 20-year-old Alexandria Verner, all from Metro Detroit. Um, all three students um, had aspirations, Ariel, to be a pediatrician. Apparently, she loved kids, according to her family. And uh, she was in class at Berkey Hall when uh, the shooter entered. And also her family is just devastated right now and says she was a remarkable student and pure of heart. Uh, she is the niece of a reality star from Detroit, who you may know, London Charles, better known as Delicious. Um, she was actually tweeting prior to any news being uh, delivered because she was trying to call her niece and couldn't get in contact with her. So she had put out a tweet saying, if anybody knows Ariel, please DM me. Let me know if you're near her. They couldn't get in touch with her. Um, but unfortunately, she was deceased. And so Brian, he uh, was the president of his fraternity on the campus. And Alexandria apparently uh, excelled in class and in sports and was just loved by all of her friends and family. And her people are undoubtedly heartbroken. So um, as for the shooter, uh, we know he was a 43-year-old African-American man who lived in Lansing. He had absolutely no affiliation with Michigan State University. Uh, we do know his name, but we're refraining from saying it. We only mention mass murderers if they're on trial uh, because we don't want to glorify them or their actions in any way. But his name is available if you want to know what his name is. Um, the focus for us is on the victims of the senseless tragedy. And according to the shooter's brother, he did call in to Fox 2 Detroit News and did an interview and said that his brother was just troubled ever since the death of their mother in September of 2020. Um, apparently, he became a bit of a recluse and he just stopped taking care of himself and was bitter and angry. Um, and so, as you mentioned, there's really not a motive known as of yet. But during a press conference today, they did confirm that there was a note found um, on his person when they uh, approached him. He did kill himself. He died of a, a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Mm -hmm. They found two nine millimeter guns on him. Um, they also found another gun in a backpack he was carrying and a note on him, basically indicating other institutions that he wanted to shoot up and that he was a part of a group um, that was going to carry out these shootings. And also New Jersey, where I think he's actually from, uh, a couple of schools there were named, but they are no longer on any type of alert um, as he is deceased. Um, he had additional magazines and ammunition. Um, and so that's coming directly from michigan state uh university police and so through all of that um what i can tell you is that uh as far as a motive they're not confirming it yet but they're saying he may have felt slighted in a way maybe he was trying to apply for a job at msu he was asked to leave the campus and they say there's some indication of that in the note but they have not read the note or revealed everything that's in it so we're just waiting for updates on that um, but it was revealed that uh, besides having a criminal history, he did have a history of mental health issues as well. Um, and back in 2019, he was charged with carrying a concealed weapon and he received 18 months probation for that. And the big thing here now is that had he received the sentence they felt he should have gotten instead of reduced time, he would have been in jail right now instead of roaming the streets. He completed his probation in 2021. Um, 
So it's just been a lot to deal with. And we're getting updates every single day as new information is uh, coming up. And right now, I know that families of the deceased are planning services um, and Sparrow Hospital for the people still in critical condition. It's one of the best regional hospitals in the country. So they are in excellent hands. And we're just praying that they all pull through at this point. Uh, Morgan, your thoughts. I mean, what can I say after that? Uh, Brie covered it so uh, thoroughly and eloquently. I mean, because this is just something that is happening far too often. Um, The only point that I would like to add to that is Emma Riddle's tweet. Emma Riddle is um, a student at Michigan State University. And here her her tweet um, on that day was 14 months ago. I had to evacuate from Oxford High School when I was 15 years old. And I'm sorry, 14 months ago, I had to evacuate from Oxford High School when a 15-year-old opened fire and killed four of my classmates and injured seven more. Tonight, I am sitting under my desk at Michigan State University once again texting everyone, I love you. When will this end? So the fact that here we have a student that has now been in two mass shootings goes to show that are we doing enough? Um, You know, What more can be done? Are we too far gone? I mean, we really have to address um, the gun violence and the mental health crisis going on in the country. Agreed. Absolutely. You know, the the thing that really shook me um, was when I came across the uh, photographs of the deceased. It's sad to even say that. But when I came across the photographs, I, um, you know, you, 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 it it doesn't become real until you're reading about these people who are and everyone deserves to live until they're done living. But you see these very, very young people, these these faces, these people who have goals and dreams and hopes, and they're working toward building the life that they want to live. And you see the enthusiasm in, in their faces. You see the smiles and you see that they deserve to grow old, have children, have a life, have adventures, cry and laugh and everything. And then you read the words underneath the photographs and it's like, um, you know, this individual was a fan of this thing or that thing or this, this individual did this way, you know, and they speak about them in the past tense. And it's like, you know, I think the finality of it kind of really, it it caught up to me yesterday. And I kind of had the same thoughts uh, as you, Morgan, where I was like, when is, when is enough enough, you know? Um, and uh you know we i i I wouldn't even profess to uh suggest anything more um or do anything more um at this point that our listeners haven't um become familiar with i've been here for a year maybe doing this show and i'm sure we've covered six or eight mass shootings in that time and so uh and I believe if I was listening correctly, the news, the national news is saying we're now up over 60 mass shootings in 2023 and it's only February. So I think that's just, mouthful. yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and, you know, obviously in that part of the world is, as you mentioned, Morgan, with there being um, a community still healing from a recent mass shooting at a high school. If I'm not, if I remember correctly, that was a high school. Yes. Um, and and yeah, and then those students to be at at the University of Michigan, and then have to kind of come to 
you know, come face to face with that same sort of tragedy is, I'm, I'm sure it's overwhelming, but one thing I know about Detroit uh, is Detroit is, is with it. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. if anybody can deal with that, <laughs> it's, it's the motor, it's the 313. So shout out to Detroit one time. All right. Um, moving on. Uh, the family of the man who died after being tased by rally police officers was hired by was hot, has hired, sorry, civil rights attorney Ben Crump. Uh, Morgan, I read about this story, but why don't you bring us and our listeners up to speed on this story and then we'll follow up with you, Bree. Okay, the family of Daryl Tyree Williams has retained mm-hmm. services of civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump. Mm-hmm. Uh, Williams is the black man who died in January. Back on January 17th, he was tased several times by Raleigh, North Carolina police, even though he disclosed to them that he has a heart condition. Sure. So Crump issued a statement on Monday calling for um, calling the incident excessive um, use of police force, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, he is actually expected to call for the firing of several officers today. Um this is just, an, I, I hate to say it, it's like another incident of, are we are we doing this again? Same thing with the mass shooting. Um, so um, the Williams family um, also wants the officers involved to be charged with manslaughter. Um, this is exactly why there needs to be a serious address with um, the mental health crisis going on in the country, um, for one. Because, well, and not only that, just racism in, in general. Let's just put it on on blast that we don't communicate the same. So if I'm telling you something, if I'm sit, if I'm in my space and I'm, um, I'm loud and I'm happy, and that's just how black people are, and you don't understand that, that does not mean that it's a threat to you. Mm. So for this man to be able to express himself how he was, I mean, he felt under clearly mass pressure to express himself and to have to tell you guys, hey, I'm, I'm. I have a heart condition. And then for you to continue to use force excessively like that, I mean, there's a true disconnect. And I don't know if it's mental health. I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's racism, a combination of all of them, but it needs to be addressed. And um, furthermore, it's just sad to see another young person, you know, 32 year old, 32 years old. And not that long ago, um, uh, Crump was, you know, in this in the same area, North Carolina, 2021, dealing with Andrew Brown, who was fatally shot by uh, um, police in Elizabeth City. So there's obviously an issue going on in North Carolina that needs to be addressed. Um, I'm yeah, I'm going to just digress on this before I get a little emotional. Understood. No worries. Bree, um, I'm sure you have a couple things to say about it, too. So, um, you know, I'm just consistently disgusted um by the conduct and especially when you know you're wearing body cams and this is still the behavior that's happening um right it just shows that you just don't care but the whole reason that the police began to pat him down because is because they found a folded dollar bill in his pocket um when they approached him he had a passenger in the car and they said that there was a white substance found in the bill and they believed it to be narcotics i don't know if that was ever confirmed Um, But he began to pull away when they attempted to handcuff him, which is why they began using the stun gun. They said he was stunned three times. Mm -hmm. Um, He started running away from the officers. They tried to restrain him. And at the body, the body cam video and surveillance from a a local business 
said that uh, he was able to overpower the officers and run off again. So he tripped in a parking lot, apparently, and fell on his face. And then they're saying that the body cam footage from several of the officers showed them struggling to handcuff him again, at which point is the second time they tased him directly to his body. Um, And so then he began to tell them, tell them about his heart problems. And he got tased one more time directly on his body. So they're saying he finally was placed in handcuffs around 2 a.m., but he was dead by 3 a.m. And they said they did attempt to render aid because EMS was called. um, But clearly it just wasn't enough. And. I don't know that that was the correct thing to do for them. Um, There were six officers and one of him and um, they were placed on administrative duty. But as Morgan already stated uh, today, they will be making or calling for them to be uh, terminated. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. It's a sad situation and I don't know what you do at this point. What can you say when there's footage? What do you say? Because excessive force is excessive force. Sure. He wasn't armed. Sure. Absolutely. You know, it's crazy is that, you know, I, I can hear it in your voice. And I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Maggie and she's, you know, this is, this is something that everyone is reacting to. I think that it it's just kind of like, we've had way more than enough of this. We and, don't have a chance um, to recover before we yeah. have to recover from something else. Yeah. That's yeah, the problem. So then, so then it's numbing. Yes. So then it becomes numbing. Constance and imagine having to do the news about it every day. Yeah, that's 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 why I'm looking at you guys and I'm looking <laughs> at Maggie and I'm like, man, we're here. And I, I don't want to take anything away from the, the families, the people that have to kind of live with the the real reality of it. But right. you're at, you're not wrong. This constant stream of um, content that we have a duty to report um, is just, you know, it's it's a lot. I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, make it seem like we're, you know, um, well, even Ben Crump, look at his caseload. I mean, just yeah, his yeah, just alone. It's, you know, it, on the on the Black Information uh, Network website, it's funny because a lot of these stories, um, they'll have a disclaimer that says, uh, you know, uh, if you need help processing this stuff. Effectively, what it says is, if you need help, you know, th- these types of stories can affect your mental health. There's a number you can call. That sort of stuff. So I, I can see it. I can hear it in your voices. Um, and uh, you know, I, I share uh, that emotional weight with you. Um, you know, if if there's something to be said, you know, I, this country loves guns, you know, loves guns. And, uh, you know, maybe there's not the same sort of relationship with tasers. I think that we're learning um, that tasers are not, strictly speaking, non-lethal um, because so many people are dying from getting tased. I was I was. You know, I live in Arizona, so we had the Super Bowl last weekend and I saw, you know, I saw a woman getting tased and she was like a blood curdling scream, you know, and I was like, why would they do that to a human being? You know, Um, but uh, especially when you don't know who, you know, what type of health issues somebody might have, you know, know they could be on a, you know, any type of heart uh, pacer monitor any type of thing and that right there can really throw somebody off i mean and and i think that there's something there's 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 a conversation to be at here because people get shot and survive yeah and people get tased and die so what's lethal and what's non-lethal you know what i mean and if we're teaching these officers if training is you know what these people insist on doing which doesn't work clearly because it's been doing we've been training these officers for decades and even the trainers <laughs> kill kill people we've seen that too 
Right. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe there's they, they got to double down on some pepper spray or they got to get in shape and be able to chase people. If not, then they shouldn't <laughs> be cops. You know, that's what, you know, that's part of the game, man, because anything that's afraid that. for his life with a nervous system uh, will will yeah. run or it will engage if it feels like its life is on the line. Anything that includes humans. Right. And that's all people of all colors. It's a nervous system. It's a function of our biology. And so running is a part of the job, especially if people feel afraid for their life. And if you've caused that fear, then you have a responsibility to to um, honor that. You know what I mean? If you're if the if the uh, institution you belong to invokes fear in people and causes them to feel like I got to run or else I'm going to die. You shouldn't then go chase them down and kill them because you can't catch them. You know, we saw uh, his name was Richard Brooks some years ago in Atlanta. It broke my heart. They shot him in the back for running away. You know, and the thing is, we knew this. We knew this. But I saw it. I, I'm like, oh, my God, everybody can see this now. Nothing. This was years. Yeah. It was like 2020. I remember I was watching an episode of Fresh Prince and I knew it then. The reason the joke was funny was because everyone knew it. But I saw in the Fresh Prince, Jazzy Jeff said, we walked into a courtroom. I forget which season, which episode, but suffice it to say it happened. He walked into a courtroom with his hands up because there's like a bailiff in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. And he says, listen, I don't I already know the drill. I'm going to have my hands up before I get six warning shots in the back. Right. And of course, everyone laughs at that because we know that that's exactly what happens, man. And a lot of these officers are out of shape. A lot of these officers are not athletic, wh whatever their situation is. And, and you know, for stuff like this, if they are bullied, that would I think I think Chris mentioned something to me the other day. Our producer, Chris, he said that, you know, they, they put a little tax on top of the, you know, the beating if they have to chase you. And uh, uh, just police culture is just this is this is a lot. So uh, it's toxic. We'll, we'll move on before we spend too much time talking about a lighter note. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot B-I-N. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso. I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations 
where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Black Information Network news anchors Morgan Wood and Bree Wood are here with us discussing this week's major stories. All right. And finally, we have two pop culture events that recently made the news. Uh, the first story is that the singer Rihanna reported performed live this year at the Super Bowl halftime show and her performance received mixed reviews. Don't know why. Um, but what were your thoughts on her performance and are her critics being unfair? Bri, this time we'll start with you and then Morgan will go with you next. Listen, I loved her performance for what it was, but I will admit I was expecting more as in some like special guest appearances oh, just yeah. because she has features on so many hit songs. Sure. Okay, I just knew fair. Somebody was coming out of the shadows, out of the smoke when she landed. Nothing. There was nobody. But however, now we all know that special guest she was talking was. about was the baby bump. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so and I will tell you, it was funny because watching it live and being on Twitter and live tweeting about it, everybody had the same question as soon as the camera panned out. Is she pregnant? Because they're like, no, that's just the angle. But then when she rubbed her belly, we were like, oh. She's pregnant. That's mm. not a food baby. That's a real baby. <laughs> um, so visually, I thought the production was stunning. Uh, the shots on her performance were great, especially uh, with Rhea and her dancers being suspended in the air anywhere from 15 to 60 feet at a time yeah. um, during her 13 minute performance. She did 12 songs in that time. Yeah. Um, and I was just curious about how sturdy those platforms were, um, the way they were moving. And so I looked it up and Bruce Rogers, he's the halftime show production designer. He mm -hmm. did an interview and said the LED lit stages that elevated off the ground had never been done before in a Super Bowl performance. And so he said Rihanna and her dancers were safe the entire time because the way those platforms were built, they could uh, they were strong enough to carry a freight train, as he mm -hmm. said. Um, mm -hmm. And so for as far as criticism from the public, um, let's start with her bestie, Donald Trump. OK. <laughs> he was on Truth Media, his social website, and he posted epic fail. Uh, he also said Rihanna gave without question the single worst halftime show in Super Bowl history. And uh, this is after insulting far more than half our nation, which is already in serious decline with her foul and insulting language. Also, so much for her stylist. So that mm -hmm. must have been a dig at what she was wearing. However, that red coat I uh, found out she was wearing was a nod to her friend, the late Andre Leon Talley. He was a stylist and creative director and former editor at large for Vogue. Uh, mm. So he's very known and they were very good friends. Um, and he was a big Rihanna fan. So the fact that uh, so many of 
the looks that he wore, um, that jacket in particular, he wore often, uh, it was a red Norma Kamali sleeping bag coat. So mm-hmm. that is kind of the design Rihanna was wearing. And that was an attribute to him. He passed away last year. So I didn't think, you know, anything was wrong with it. I thought she looked cute. Um, so many others watching were quick to point out that um, it appeared she had a backing track and was lip syncing almost to that. So mm-hmm. others complained that she showed little energy, but hello, she's pregnant, yeah. um, a whole child. And so we can't forget about, you know, original shock jack howard stern's commentary as well he sat on his show and said you know i don't even know why she bothered showing up he went on to say he loves her voice and her songs but it was his opinion that 85 percent of her performance was lip synced and uh you know rihanna she calls her fan group the navy so the navy fired back at everybody they were pulling no punches they just got online and just went at everybody who had something negative to say about rihanna's performance especially on twitter uh, with several things of course we can't say on the air but um they held her down i will say that um i feel the critics are being completely unfair uh she could have declined after no new music or a tour for years but she still came out provided a show uh, because you know people miss seeing her she's got so many hits and her energy to me was great for a woman who looks at least five months pregnant and uh, she's the ultimate businesswoman, too. And Morgan, I know you saw when she pulled out that Fenty compact and just checked her makeup real quick, mm-hmm. lighted her face. That's boss status, period. Yes. <laughs> just in case y'all forgot. Um, really? Because this is why y'all don't see me, because I'm a billionaire off this here makeup. Off the makeup. Go OK. Get, go I don't the need compact. these shows. Sure that's sold out already, too. But one of my I don't favorite. need your ticket money. OK. <laughs> and, and, and contrary to popular belief, um, she doesn't need a super t- Super Bowl halftime check either because okay. a lot of people think that, you know, Super Bowl halftime performers get paid. Well, they don't. Instead, the NFL pays for their expenses um, associated with the show, travel costs and things of that nature. So um, one thing I will say about Riri, um, she even on a disappointing day, she can do no wrong. I stand. I stand. I stand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was. um I enjoy I too enjoyed the uh, halftime show. Um, one of my favorite uh, responses was uh, Safari on Twitter. Um, he had some choice words for Howard Stern. He said, no, Rihanna slander will be tolerated by these white outlets. Um, Howard Stern, this isn't uh, 1995. No one choice words, choice words, choice words. You guys can go ahead and do the research on your own. But like <laughs> um, yeah, I stand. I love me some Riri and uh yeah, there's I, I enjoyed the show. And like who who else has performed pregnant at the halftime show? So she continues to break barriers and I don't see anything wrong with it. If you guys got a problem, um, I don't know. Put in your bid. You but do. you know what? And her dreams have gone up three hundred and thirty percent. And that's just Apple Music. Spotify yeah. streams went crazy, too. Yes. And, you know, she did an interview with British Vogue recently. Yeah. And, you know, she protested doing the Super Bowl halftime show back in 2019. She was approached to perform alongside Maroon 5 and she declined out of support for Colin Kaepernick and um, his activism and what he was trying to do and the changes he was trying to see uh, made in the league. So she said she chose to perform now um, because, you know, there's still a lot of mending to be done, she said, but it's powerful to break those doors and have representation at such a high level and a consistent level. And in my opinion, it doesn't hurt that her good friend Jay-Z, he's involved in the decision-making now because, you know, Rock Nation signed the deal with the NFL in 2019 to produce the entertainment for the events, including Super Bowl halftime, um, trying to bring more diversity to the show and also amplify the league's social justice efforts. So that has yet to be seen as of yet to critics. But, um, you know, 
Well, Jay-Z, that's why I thought Jay-Z was going to be on stage a little bit, but he was in full stand mode too. He was yeah. in the stands with Blue Ivy screaming. He wasn't coming on stage. There's, there's, I just knew I he was coming out. special about um, and, and empowering, I would imagine. Of course, I'm not a woman, but I, uh, I'm i a big supporter of my sisters that I you know share this planet with. Um, to me, there's something very special and, and magical about um, a woman who was pregnant and who is owning the pregnancy and the pregnancy is not owning her. In other words, I know I've been, I've lived with a pregnant woman before. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot, right? <laughs> Most of the days and calves get swollen and you got to rub them feet and all that. I've seen it. I've seen the, I've heard the complaints I've, you know, but I also know that there's something special about seeing a woman who is, you know, boss, bossing up and doing what she does while still being a mother. You know, and that's it, that seems like a lot, you know, more than anything that I've ever undertaken. And so to see that. Um, well, let me tell you, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that was what I took from uh, the uh, the performance. There's something like when Serena Williams was pregnant, you know, there was something special about that. Like that's that's a boss, you know, and she's a look, can you do that? You know, and it's just. There's something about it that just feels very special and, and very powerful. And um, again, that's that's what I took from it. That So beyond that, there was really nothing else to see. It's like, oh, like you said, there's this is a first and you don't really need to do too much else. She got up there. She did all her songs. Not all of them, of course. There's a way more. But she did, you know, she did. a. She covered uh, the hits. She, yeah, she hit right. the hits. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so um, and she did it, you know while pregnant, you know, with a, with a child already, you know what I mean? And yeah, so she looked fabulous. Exactly. Exactly. And she owned it and she, I, well, I didn't think she didn't me. leak. How about that? You know, she yes. was, yeah. you they know, said her backup rehearsal. dancers were even shocked when mm-hmm. seeing the footage because she wore baggy clothes to rehearsal. Yeah. She yeah. told no one, you know, you know <laughs> what else is crazy right is that so downtown Phoenix, um, I own a couple of nightclubs in downtown Phoenix. And so um, I had to go and visit my clubs and the promoters I partnered with and so forth. Downtown was full of all of her dancers, all those people in those white clothes that were just walking around and oh, you know really? doing dancing on the corners. That was crazy. So <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty neat to, uh, to see all that stuff um, after the Super Bowl that Sunday night uh, and uh, just kind of feel like a part of it. But yeah, um, shout out to Rihanna for that performance. And of course there's, she's not the only one making uh, news in, in pop culture, uh, we also, for the first time on this show, are able to talk about LeBron James becoming the NBA's all-time scoring leader, surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the most points scored. Uh, so the question we have here, I, I get the sense that Chris, Chris wrote this one. Will LeBron finally be recognized as the greatest player of all time, or does Michael Jordan remain the GOAT? Uh, Morgan, unfortunately, we're starting with you, so good luck. (laughs) Why is it unfortunate? Listen, let me tell you about LeBron. He's a GOAT in his own right, okay? Mm -hmm. Bear with me. Here we go. LeBron did score 38,388 points in a Tuesday night game versus the Oklahoma City Thunder, making him the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. Mm -hmm. Um, He also thanked Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Sure. who um, was able to do it one point less <laughs> um, over 560 games over the course of 20 seasons. Now, mm-hmm. um, he, Abdul-Jabbar held the record for nearly 40 years. Now, let's break this down. A lot of people want to call LeBron the GOAT. He's a GOAT in his own right. Jordan is also the GOAT. Here we go. Four-time MVP LeBron. Jordan is a five-time MVP. 
LeBron is a four-time finals MVP. Jordan is a six-time finals MVP. LeBron is a six-time all-defense, while Jordan is nine times all-defense. Um, LeBron is 18 times all-NBA, while Jordan, 11 times all-NBA. LeBron is the all-time leading scorer. We just did that, right? And LeBron, um, I'm sorry, and Jordan is the fourth, is fourth in all-time scoring. Mm-hmm. LeBron was able to do this in 20 seasons and counting, but Jordan was able to do it in 14 seasons. I'm going to tell you why Jordan remains the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. That's why he was able to do it 14 seasons and he didn't miss too many games. Here LeBron is now with a foot injury and some more stuff going on, but he's still a GOAT. He is the G-O-T-E, the greatest of this era. So I'm going to give him a GOAT status on that one. And I like I'm that. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to digress because what we're not going to do is pin two black men against each other when there they're you go. both doing... You better speak, dancing. Morgan. I Look, like that. I love my sports, and y'all not about to do that. They go both ahead. great, okay? And I ain't mad at that. that. <laughs> All right, Bree, let's hear from you. Listen, what do I have to say after that? I don't have a dog in this fight, but you know what? In my opinion, as someone who does not do sports, um, Jordan, you know, he's the GOAT, according to many fans and players. And I was actually watching an interview that Iman Schumper did. And he said, you know, when people talk to LeBron about whether he's the GOAT or Jordan's the GOAT, they say he laughs it off. They said it's just a crazy comparison that people are actually arguing in barbershops about who's better, him or Jordan. And he said he just laughs at it. Um, you know, as Morgan stated, Jordan is, you know, recognized as the better defender, averaging more steals and making all the defense team threes and more uh, more minutes per game. Um, they're saying James has more assists and rebounds than Jordan. And um, yeah, does that necessarily make him better, though? Um, you know, he's got great stats, but uh, on the game's biggest stage, the NBA Finals, Jordan was a perfect six for six, which is, was another yes. thing people like to throw down. Like, you know, he swept the finals MVP. So it's like. And LeBron doesn't have that. He doesn't have any three peats. I just saying. And Jordan's game is like technical. And they say LeBron's more like flashy and he moves around to get his wins. But Jordan is just straight with it. Just. But did you leave him play baseball, though? I'm sorry. Never mind. Oh, right. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> you know what's funny he about did this? Do a stint is in baseball. What What's funny about this is that you know, for for two people that don't hmm. you know really do sports, you guys sound very well informed, and you guys sound like you have a lot of valid points. I'm going to get myself in trouble here because I know Chris is going. <laughs> Chris is going to talk to me later, and he's going to tell me about myself. But here's what I will say. For what it's worth. Again, I admit that I'm not qualified to have any substantial input, but just so that I'm able to share it. Um, I, again, I'm not an athlete. I'm a music guy. I've always admitted that. I don't play sports. I've, I, I played basketball oh, in high school and football and that sort of stuff, but I'm, I don't even watch the game. To be honest, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. It's just not my thing. What? Anyway, didn't, didn't, I don't even know who won. doesn't and matter. From, in, Here's the in, thing. In, in so check it out. Arizona, mind you. Okay. If I'm going to play a pickup game of basketball, right, which I would, it would be very unlikely for me to ever do something like that. But if I were to do that and I had the ball and I was dribbling and I was getting ready to shoot, right, I can handle a basketball. I, again, I'm practiced. I'm the muscle memory. So if I was to handle a basketball and shoot, the the name in my brain would not be Shaq. It would not be LeBron James. It wouldn't be anything. It would be Jordan and 
a very close second would be Kobe. And so for me, because of the impression that that Jordan has had overall on the culture and the, indeed the globe, from what I understand, I, I believe once upon a time, Michael Jordan's name was like the second most popular name or third most popular name ever, ever on planet Earth in all of history. Number one was Jesus Christ. Number two and number three were either Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan. I forget what the order was, but um, that level of global impact in terms of the amount of human beings who have heard a name and can and know who who the name represents. um, I think that that's something. And so on those are the metrics by which I would decide something mm-hmm. like this, not who scored the most, the most points in the third quarter of the, you know, the, what are, it's just that man, I, Jordan, if I'm playing basketball, Jordan's the guy I want to be like, be like Mike. Right. And look so, at the man's shoe sales. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, but again, I don't even know who, you know, has the most shoes. I think Jordan's shoes probably are more popular. I'm sure I have a few. He doesn't have, have to even shoes. release new ones. He could no. just release the ones that he retros, you know? And yeah. This is so that, that I think that, that further makes the case, but and I can't say the same about LeBron because I don't goodwill the few pair over here. So I'm sorry. Just, oh. <laughs> we, all right. Well, listen, we probably both don't get in trouble with Chris. So let's go ahead and uh, <laughs> cut these microphones off before we dig ourselves any deeper. So once again, I'd like to thank you both very much for coming on and discussing these often heavy topics, but sometimes we do get a laugh. So again, I appreciate the both of you. Once again, today's guests are Black Information Network news anchors, Morgan Wood and Bree Wood. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media, and I'll be hosting another episode of Civic Cypher this weekend on a station near you. For stations, showtimes, and podcast info, check civiccypher.com. And join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.